just mental picture image of an egg riding on something uh-huh. it's is a little, little bit of Humpty Dumpty. Yes. Humpty Dumpty adjacent <laughs> <Yeah>. situation. <laughs> now I can start seeing why that rhyme was made. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Welcome to Two Real Tokyo. I'm Angie. I'm Jamie. This is a podcast about the quirks and quandaries of life in Tokyo and life in general. Welcome to episode 14, Education, in which we talk about Japanese school. We want to thank you in advance for hanging out with us today and remind you that you can always find us on all major streaming platforms. Make sure to share with your friends and leave us a rating on iTunes because that's how we get the word around. Thanks! quirk this week uh, my quirk this week is movies in the theater in japan mm-hmm. um they this is a quirk not a complaint even though it probably <laughs> almost immediately sounding like a complaint um they're very particular about dubbing movies mm. with japanese um actors and actresses voices and or um, writing subtitles for movies, and or if it's some kind of a musical, then they'll redo all the songs into Japanese. And so, um, I don't know, good or bad. Mm, I'm. I mean, there's no need to be so binary about it. I just it is <laughs> what it is. But uh, it does mean that a lot of the big movies literally come out last in Japan. Yeah. If you hear of a movie, and I understand not every movie comes from the U.S., but let's face it, a lot of the big movies, most of them, come from the U.S., and being American, I'll, you know, read American news, listen to American podcasts, I'll know which movies are coming out in the U.S. now, and then I'll just feel like, well... (laughs) <laughs> I'll see that in seven months. <laughs> <laughs> pretty much. Pretty much. That's how it goes. Um, so, for example, this past weekend, I went to the movie theater and I watched Bohemian Rhapsody, mm-hmm. which... Came I, out. It was, at, it was out at Christmas in the States. Yeah. I didn't look up its release date, but it was, you know, three months ago, four months ago. I don't think... They went so far as to try to redub all those songs, which was a wise move on their part. <laughs> like, you know, leave well enough alone. Well, and they're probably <clears throat> well known enough that yeah, they wouldn't need to redo them. So, <laughs> movie in Japan sidebar. <laughs> I don't remember if I think maybe you were there or I don't know if you were there, but last week in the staff room. Um, no, you must not have been there because you were already gone on your trip. <laughs> so we started talking about that movie. And then one of our coworkers said, um, I can't believe it. My husband loves that movie so much that he's getting off of work early tonight so that we can go to a sing-along version. What? <laughs> and he's insisting that I go with him, even though that's kind of his thing. But he really wants me to go, so I'm going. <laughs> So that was so funny. I had 
previous to that felt a little ambivalent. Like, okay, I heard Bohemian Rhapsody is a good movie. Probably yeah. I'm going to like it, but do I really need to go see it in the theater? But once right. I heard that story, then I was like, whoa, <laughs> I have to this go. movie must be so good. And I need to go, you know, check out the hype. So anyway, um, <laughs> but yeah, I definitely, I didn't want to go to a dubbed version and yeah. then also it is kind of starting to wind up like it's still playing in a lot of theaters but it's not it's not the same as the ones that came out recently are playing like four times a day right. you know so we ended up with this morning show it started at 9:45 in the morning so that was pretty funny to be rushing to the theater at nine o'clock in the morning and uh you know, I just wasn't even bothered to eat breakfast. I thought, okay, I'm eating popcorn for breakfast. It's Yay. fine. Yay. Breakfast of champions. Yeah. Woo. Um, so I really, I really enjoyed the movie and I could see how he would want, this friend would want to go and mm-hmm. sing along. But then the really funny thing that I heard later that afternoon, I heard through the grapevine that the theater that he, that the two of them went to on the night we had been talking there was something wrong with the sound system and he wasn't <gasps> satisfied with like oh. I don't know again like sorry it's not as good of a story because I don't understand all the details I don't know if they like weren't even able to finish singing or if they were able to sing but it wasn't satisfying because the sound was that bad mm. of quality but I heard from, oh no I heard from this other friend that he was so disappointed that he then went online and tried to find a different theater, and then they were going to go again. Whoa. Yeah. So, anyway, I uh, I don't know if they're listening to this or not, but I admire your tenacity. Mm-hmm, yeah. <laughs> and I also feel like, oh, I wouldn't mind. I don't know. I don't know all of those songs, but I do know some of them. And yeah. I've never been to a... You know, that's a thing, right? Like Yeah, the sing-along. Sing-along thing. Yeah. I've never been to that, but I think it sounds I've really fun. I've never been either. Right? It sounds fun, doesn't it? It does, yeah. Yeah. I think it would be fun to... The main one that I've heard of as being so common is The Sound of Music. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That would be fun. But I mean, even this one, one yeah. even this one would have would have been fun. So, mm-hmm. um, anyway, there you go. <laughs> There's my quirk. I thought your quirk was going to be that... In Japan, you sit through the end credits, always, even if it's not an Avengers movie. That is quirky. And actually, sitting through the credits of this movie felt kind of awkward because they were extremely boring. Like, they were, it was just a black screen with white names running up. No. And they didn't make it interesting at all, so. Mm. But, but it, it doesn't matter. Everybody sat there there, and waited for, but The lights don't even come up. It's probably, I feel like it's mostly that, right? Like, if you want it, even if you wanted to leave, you might kind of struggle because yeah. you can't see what you're doing. They leave the lights down so that, yeah, if you want to leave, it's very difficult. Uh, yeah. I've only done it once here, and it's because we were sitting on the end of a row so I could see the stairs. Mm. But I think if you were in the middle of a row, or some of them might keep the lights lower than others, but... Yeah. That is that is definitely a movie related quirk <laughs> from here for sure. What is your quandary? Um, I just got back from Singapore this morning very early. There are so many quandaries when you're traveling, but especially in the airport. <clears throat> but a recent quandary of mine has been 
airports that are moving to security right before you go into your specific gate area. Oh. So in the Singapore airport, you go through Immigration and Customs, which is all automated. Like, I didn't talk to anyone. Whoa. It's all done on... I mean, there's officers there that are helping, but, like, they don't ask you questions. It's all done. You stick your passport in, and it scans that. You do your thumbprint, and that's it. And so... Then we could shop and eat and do everything we wanted. But before you get to your gate, there's areas outside that you can sit. But then at a certain time, your gate opens and you go through security at your gate. Mm. Um, And I know some of the places this summer in Qatar was the same way. Not all of them because the gate that I was at, I didn't do that. But some of them have it. And my niece talked about in Frankfurt that all security is by the gate, too. Interesting. So my quandary is, why are they moving that way? And is it more efficient? Because in some ways, I can see it being more efficient because you're having smaller groups of people. But then I'm also like, nobody's going through security before that, Mm -hmm. which seems a little funny. I mean, I like to watch airport and security shows... And they always talk about the first thing that they can tell when people are hiding something. Because your body language gives everything away. So really, probably in that initial screening process, they would be able to find anyone that that was trying to hide something. I just thought that was really interesting and wondering why they're moving to that style. Because at least in the Detroit airport, it's not like that. You still go through security first. So, I don't know. That's my quandary. My other quandary is, why do people just forget how to be humans when they're at the airport? I mean, that's like a whole separate quandary for a different day, right? Yeah. I don't have any specific stories, oh, I but... I was going to say, what kind of animal behavior did you see? <laughs> well, I feel like people are just not aware of their surroundings when they're like, they have a big cart or like big suitcases, and then they're just walking and usually they're looking at these stores these big grand zara um dolce and gabbana all those fancy stores so they're not really looking where they're going and then you're like trying to get around them not good or they're just mean to the staff that work there and i don't like when people are mean yeah no not necessary come on yeah be nice check to your, everybody check your privilege okay yeah. <laughs> Along with your suitcase. (laughs) Yeah. Check your privilege in with your suitcase. We don't need that here. Right. (laughs) What are we talking about? We're talking about school. Oh, yes. We're talking about Japanese school. Yes. Specifically. But before that, I have a follow-up story. Oh, Good. One of our listeners, who actually lives right over there, ah. very nearby, stopped me the other day and told <laughs> me that when his, when he and his wife had their house built, this is a house, oh, this is a house story. I haven't heard this yet. <laughs> yeah. When he and his wife had their house built, which was about 10 years ago, then one of the things that their building company gave them as a gift... I don't know the timing of when they got it. I'm assuming it was at some point 
after their house was built, maybe when they were moving uh-huh. in. As a gift, they got a photo album full of pictures of this Shinto ceremony. That they did? That they did they on, the, on the lot <laughs> before they started building it. Wow. So he was saying it was so funny because this photo album tur- turned up the other day in their oh. house. And they were kind of like thinking, what should we do with this yeah. photo album? Because... You know, they, I don't think they felt like they could say, don't do that ceremony. Right, yeah. And and then, but also they weren't like offended by it or anything, but right. they weren't also like, oh, that ceremony is so important to us. Right. And so now that 10 years passed, they <laughs> were feeling like, do we have to keep this? But like, <laughs> what if we get rid of it? And then when we move, the people who buy the house like want it? <laughs> Why I don't know why they would, but what if they do? That they would must be, be proof, <laughs> right? Like then that would be bad if we didn't have it. So probably we better keep it. But it's just kind of <laughs> funny, like weird. So, I just can't really imagine like Japanese construction workers being like, okay, now we need to buy a photo album and get the photos printed that we had somebody take that day. And we're going to give it as a great gift, and they're going to be so excited. Like, <laughs> I, I can't know. imagine them getting excited about no, something like that. I but... feel like that's that's kind of a side question, is, like, <laughs> whose job is it Do they to... Have a personal assistant that just does that for every right? work site? Like, all this documentation, and then making it into a photo album, like, I don't know, but... I thought that was a very interesting story that yeah. everyone would enjoy hearing as a follow-up to the whole... Um, Shinto cer- construction yeah, ceremony topic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> okay. I feel like we need a Japanese phrase, mm. but I don't necessarily have one ready at this moment. <laughs> um, so there was one I was thinking about the other day. I was describing to my Japanese teacher. Um, about a crook madame. <laughs> okay, okay. Uh-huh. Which is a type of French breakfast food that is like a toast sandwich with ham and cheese in the middle, and then on top you put an egg. And so in Japanese we were talking about how to describe that to someone if they didn't know what it was. And so I just thought it was funny that the on top directly translates into riding on. Oh. And so then I was like, interesting. So she was like, the egg is riding on top of the toast. (laughs) And for some reason, that just made me laugh so much because just mental picture image of an egg riding on something. Uh Uh-huh. Is... A, little, a little bit of Humpty Dumpty. Yes. Humpty Dumpty adjacent <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> situation. Now I can start seeing why that rhyme was made. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Something, something, noteimas. Oh, okay. Writing on top of. Writing on top of. But the thing about that word is, like, writing on top of is, like, the common meaning, mm-hmm. but... It does also just mean, like, something is, I don't know. Like, it has Some, that it meaning. It has like, the meaning of it's just on top. Yeah. Yeah. So. 
I guess it was just the way she was describing it was really funny to me. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, the mental image of an egg, like, riding a horse or something is pretty funny. So I think that makes sense. I wanted to talk about school, Japanese school, because my daughters go to Japanese school, and they are almost finishing their Japanese school career the end of March. They're going to stop going to Japanese school and start going to the international school where we work, which is actually a really big deal for our family. It will be the first time in like, okay, let me think about this. My son started going to Japanese Yochien in the U.S. when he turned three, which was April 2006. So that means for 13 years, at least one or more of my kids has been in some form of Japanese school. Yeah. So that's kind of long. Yeah. Right? Um, anyway, feels a little bit end of an era or something. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought it would be fun to talk about Japanese school because it's school, so there's a lot of things that are common with whatever school you might have gone to, but there are a lot of things that are different and um, unusual about Japanese school, so I thought it would be interesting to point some of those things out. The first thing that comes to my mind is the timing of the schedule. Like, why is it that they are finishing their school in March? And that's because Mm -hmm. that's the end of the Japanese school year. Japanese school year starts in April. Mm -hmm. I did not investigate what this timing is about, (laughs) which I can't... Which is probably everybody's burning question. Everybody's burning question, including mine, like... I'm sorry that I didn't think through ahead of time, like, wait a minute, I'm really going to want to know this. Um, I understand that school in the U.S. starts planning the timing of school around farming. And I know that Australian school starts in January and kind of follows a calendar. But I do like the way they have, they run school with trimesters, Mm -hmm. so... They start in April, and they kind of go April, May, June, and part of July, and then they have um, six weeks off for their summer holiday, and then they start school again on September 1st. It's it's always, like, right kind of on the 1st, or, you know, if that's a holiday, they'll slide it a little bit, but they wouldn't start in August. Um, and then they go from uh, September to usually Christmas Day. Mm-hmm. I think we talked about that a little bit. Yeah. Um, and then they'll have kind of probably two weeks off, two, two and a half weeks off. And that'll be their second trimester. And then they'll start up again in kind of the second. Hey, everybody. This is editing Angie coming in. We lost some of our audio. Um, because my computer had shut down after we finished recording. So, um, we're gonna skip all of a sudden to talking about kindergarten. Something called yochien, and people sometimes translate that word as kindergarten, but I feel like that doesn't really describe it properly, because I would imagine, um, many Westerners, or at least Americans, I can't speak for other systems, but, um... 
kindergarten is just one year long usually and right it's like the year that the five-ish year old kid goes to school previous to starting first grade yeah I think these days there are more you know like different pre-kindergarten or like Mm -hmm. four-year-old kindergarten or like the thing is a little more expanded than it maybe used to be um, but that's still different than the Siochian thing, which is three years long. So it's kind of like the year you're three, the year you're four, the year you're five. And then if you turn the year that you turn six previous to April 1st, then that becomes your last year of Siochian. And mm-hmm. then you can go to first grade once you're already six on April 1st. Um, so I think that's interesting. Yeah. I, I, I'm biased now having passed my kids through that system, but I really liked it. I thought it was good for them. It was fun for them. A lot of life skills too, right? Like <clears throat> brushing your teeth and mm-hmm. yeah, like that kind yeah, of thing. No, no, they do. They have a lot more brushing your teeth and tying your shoes. And I think that's great because I think a lot of times in at least in American schooling, even when I worked in the public school, we would always talk a lot about that kindergarten is that they're just learning how to go to school. Yeah. Whereas I feel like in the Yochian situation, they've been going for three years, so in first grade, they're really ready to actually start learning academically. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where, that's where it's hard in the American school setting that they're starting to come to school at in kindergarten, but you spend that whole year trying to get them to, you know, get along with their peers and line up in a line and sit on your spot on the carpet. And it's a lot of still learning how to go to school. Depending on which one you choose, they do tend to expect a level of parental involvement and mm. I don't I don't think that that's necessarily bad but my experience with that as a not Japanese person yeah. was a little more like well it's it was, like kind of a lot of involvement well yeah and there is and this is probably true anywhere okay but there was just this level of like unspoken understanding about what you're supposed to do Mm -hmm. and what's expected that kind of went by me. Like, I didn't... Mm. Maybe I also just didn't know how to ask the right questions. I'm not sure, but um, in spite of speaking Japanese pretty well and in spite of having my kids in a Japanese yochian in the U.S., I still felt when I came here and put my youngest daughter in Yochian that I really kind of struggled with the mom culture side of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and there were even that was like, there were good things about it. I mean, I met some really nice friends and it was great to have um, camaraderie with those moms as far as, you know, the stages that our kids were going through or, um, you know, even to be together and working on things that the school had wanted us to do. I don't think that those were bad, but... Sorry, guys. Editing Angie again. Jamie's sharing a story about a mom's tennis club. I mean, I did have an interesting experience of this 
coach and she was the one who had somehow got this section of land that belongs to the school made into a tennis court. Whoa. And she and she had like participated in that process when her kids were in Yochian, but now she's like 80. Like whoa. This is yeah. And so I don't know, like she just felt very she had a lot of ownership of that. Right. <laughs> she just felt very some proprietary yeah. about the thing. And, I mean, okay, in a way, that's fine, right? Because she was there when the thing started. But that was literally, like, 40 years before. Yeah. <clears throat> like, pass and, it on, lady. <laughs> right? And But she could still play tennis. Whoa. So that was the thing that was like, you had to respect. I mean, she couldn't really run very fast or anything, but she could somehow get most of the balls and Whoa. hit them back. And I, you know, <laughs> yeah, I know. I just felt like, even when I'm talking about that right now, I'm like, wow, feeling like a big loser. I don't think <laughs> I can play tennis right now, and I'm nowhere near 80 yet, so let me get a hold of myself in that area. Anyway... <laughs> The thing that happened, though, is she had these super specific, Mm. like, philosophies and ideas about how to play, even. And so she would give these mini lessons to the new people, and then it was like you had to do it how she did it. So, for example, this is a specific thing. I had taken quite a lot of tennis lessons in the U.S. before I came here. It mm-hmm. doesn't mean that I was such a great player or whatever, but I still had... You knew the basics. I, yeah, I knew the basics, and I had definitely learned these, like, different strokes and, you know, hold your hands like this or whatever. So so the one thing was I had learned, um, when I learned backhand, I learned one-handed backhand. And then she was not having it. And she insisted we have to hit with a two-handed backhand, and I was very How do you like even do two-handed backhand. I that seems uh, awkward. Well, it is awkward. I mean, she had all these reasons why that's going to be better, and you know, oh, we're weak, we're women, and we don't, we're not strong enough for a one-handed backhand. That's like that was like her logic. Yeah, which I was offended by. <laughs> You're like showing her one in a backhand. Well, yeah. Um, but she was, she would insist. Like she would get angry if you wouldn't. Yeah, Whoa. yeah. Okay, I feel like this thing is going on too much of a rabbit trail. Sorry, this is supposed to be about Japanese a tennis school, tangent. A tennis. Sorry about this tennis tangent. Once I started talking about it, it turned into a therapy session. Um, tennis. <laughs> Uh, therapy is not the same to make a alliteration. I know, but it looks so nice in your mind, right? Yeah. With all those with words all that T's. start with a T. <laughs> so unfortunately, well, the other the thing that happened too, but I, okay, I can't even tell. I'm getting Whoa. so worked up. <laughs> I was so upset when she was trying to force me to do a two-handed backhand because I felt like I spent a lot of money going to all these tennis lessons and learning how to do a one-handed backhand. 
So I do not want to come over here to some random podunk dirt tennis court with an 80-year-old <laughs> lady telling me that I'm too weak and that's why I have to suddenly hit it with two hands, even though I've already invested hundreds or possibly thousands of dollars in learning how to do it this other way. Right? Yeah. I think that this, I know we already did our quirks for today, but I have to say this entire story is probably like a quirk that's super specific to the school but also a pretty good microcosm of a thing that can go on with Japanese, like, clubs and groups and stuff. They mm. just can get a lot of intense rules going, mm. and then... And then it's all about rules instead of what you're supposed to be doing. Well, yeah, and that was even... That was true, because there was a, so much of, like, okay, we have to clean up the court in a certain way, and we have to, like... After this, some amount of time has passed, and that's when we are sitting here and drinking tea, and like, anyway. <laughs> Did you ever play any tennis? Well, that was the thing. It was, and then, and then there was this hierarchy of like, whoever's been there longer gets to play more. And so if you just joined, you're like standing around, and you don't necessarily get to play that much. So, yeah. Wow. Okay. I heavy editing on this section so that the whole episode doesn't turn into me ranting about this tennis club but that was a, a school related incident yeah that happened to me would you like to say something um, I don't know much about Japanese schools, so... Okay, sorry. I don't want to turn this ep episode into Jamie just talks for, like, <laughs> 30 minutes straight. <laughs> um, what I was going to say is, when you go to elementary school, it's such a big deal. Mm. And, um, they have a, of course, have a big ceremony. Mm -hmm. And all these, again, like, certain way that the ceremony is done, um... And the kids have to dress up really fancy, and then they march in in a certain way. <laughs> they have a, um, the little incoming first graders will have a sixth grade partner who would wow. march into the gym with them and, like, kind of guide so them special. to where they're supposed to line up. I know. And then the parents all have to dress up, too, and you have to take a lot of pictures, and there's usually a special signboard that says the name of your school and um, maybe the date... And then says entrance ceremony on it. And so that's a big rite of passage is you have to get your picture taken next to this signboard. And um, if only I could find my kids' pictures next to the board, then maybe we could put them in our show notes. Mm. But I don't know. Maybe. If you um, think about it. <clears throat> yeah. And then another big deal thing is the bag that you have to have. Yeah. You have to have this bag that's called... Dandoseru, mm. and it's this funny leather box backpack <laughs> looking bag. And like what you see if you look up Japanese backpack. If you look up Japanese elementary school kid backpack, then you can see any amount of pictures of this thing. Um, but one thing that's interesting now is it's such an industry. Yeah. Like, because the kids get this bag, and then it is a nice bag, and it's very well made, and made out of leather, and very strong. 
So that's expected. This is the bag you're going to use for school every day between first grade and sixth grade. <clears throat> so um, a lot of families, the kind of sometime in the year before, like even sometimes the summer before, I mean, this is like six or eight months before they're going to go to school, but it will be like, okay, now it's summer vacation. So we have enough time to like get out there and figure out exactly which one you're going to get. And then a lot of times the grandparents will be the ones who would buy it mm. as like a, here's this special, you know, gift that's yeah. showing what a big deal this is that you're going to school. Um, I have to say, we didn't really pass through that because Koji started going to Japanese elementary school when we were in the U.S. So we didn't have access to, <laughs> you know, all these stores full of different kinds of backpacks or whatever. Um, and also we didn't have, we didn't have any expectations developed about right. what the thing would be like either. We're just like, oh, whatever. So Augu's sister got a hand-me-down one from somebody and then, um, mailed it to us. Hmm. So that's why he had, um, which was fine. And he didn't, he didn't care. And then when we came here, and Izumi was ready to go to school. Again, Algu's sister had um, a hand-me-down one. But it, it was really in, in nice condition. I don't know. I don't remember the details. But uh, we've been fortunate enough to get those um, handed down to us, which I'm totally fine with. Because they usually cost like four or $500 yeah. for one. Right? Yeah. I mean, that's actually my... I'm having a... So do you know what they do now? One thing you can do with it, because after they're done using it, then you feel like, oh, well, I don't want to just throw it away. And so I do not understand how this process works, but you can get that thing sent away and they somehow shrink it. Yeah. I'm not kidding. They'll like shrink Whoa. it down and turn it into a little... I mean, it'll end up maybe being like about this big. Sorry, I'm holding my hands up and it's like kind of like you the know. size of a softball yeah kind of the size of a softball like <laughs> shrink this backpack down into Whoa. this knickknacky thing that you can like put on a little <laughs> shelf somewhere and wow. look at it and remember oh back in the day when i went to japanese elementary school i i thought you were gonna say they like make them into shelves or like some kind of storage compartment I mean, in a way, I feel like wouldn't that be a little bit more useful than shrinking it to the size of a softball and then you're, like, displaying it on the shelf? But I don't know. Maybe I'll have to ask uh, ask my girls what they want to do. <laughs> Before you know it, we might have a whole bunch of Whoa. mini, mini um, dandoserus lined up on our bookshelves at our house. Um... But all their books and everything fit inside. Yeah. 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 The, the the design is kind of, uh, what's the word I want? Synthesis. Like, the size of the books is very carefully matched up to the size yeah. of the backpacks. And the size of the backpacks is, like, super standard. You can, these days, I think you could get ones that are maybe, like, a little wider. Mm -hmm. Or a little taller. If you had some reason why you wanted to do that. Yeah. but. If you were just watching kids walking by on the street and then one of them had one of these ones that was bigger, you would not know. Yeah, you can. It's not, like, by a wide margin yeah. or anything. 
Well, and we mm-hmm. talked about when we went and visited the school uh, that the first graders have to wear the reflectors on the, yeah. the back of their backpacks. Yeah, yeah. It, like, straps on to the back part of the backpack uh-huh. and is, like, has a little children walking sign on the back. Uh-huh. And it's, like, neon yellow. Yes, You can so see bright. that thing from miles away. Yeah. But it's <laughs> it, only first grade that has to do that, It's only right? first grade, right. It's actually, then that's another, like, a m- much, of course, lower scale, but a little bit right of passage. Like, once you pass through first grade, a big deal about being in second grade is that you can take that mm. thing off, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, how about school lunch? You could talk about school lunch. Okay. So when we went and visited, well, I had seen this. We were talking about this a little bit earlier. I had seen this on Facebook, like even several years ago. A viral video was going around of Japanese kids cleaning and serving lunch in their school. And so when we went and visited, we got to kind of see the process as a whole. We saw that three or four kids from each classroom would come down in their little um lunchroom suits <laughs> which look yep. like nursing clothes <laughs> yeah they have to wear these little smocks and then they have to wear hats and then there's a little bag that you have to oh, keep yeah, it in. yeah so you wear it for a week when it's your turn to be on duty <laughs> and then you bring it home and you have to wash it and bring it mm-hmm. back and we have had many a scramble on a Sunday night to get the, get find it and then get the thing washed and dried and nicely folded up in time for taking to school the next Monday. Mm-hmm. I will not miss that part. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, go ahead. There they are in their smocks. So we saw them. We happened to be down by where they were distributing the carts for lunch. So the actual lunchroom staff were putting all the lunches onto these big carts, and then the kids would come down with one of their teachers, I think. Maybe that was just the little kids, but um, they would come down, and they had certain phrase that they had to thank the kitchen staff for making the lunch and bow to them, Mm -hmm. and then they had to push this cart with all of their friends' lunches up to their room. And they were also saying that was it once a month that a class gets to come and sit down in that lunchroom uh-huh. type room and then you get a dessert yeah. as well when you're in that room? Yeah. So. I don't even think it's once a month because. Or they have to earn it somehow? Well, I don't know about that. I think they, they, they have a kind of a rotation, but I just don't know if it comes around once a month. I think it's not even that Yeah, I guess often. it wouldn't be. It's more like once in two months or... Yeah. I'm not sure. But that big deal. All you can eat jello. Yeah. Oh, that's what, what it was. I think last time. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. But one thing to um, say about the food on the cart is that it's not like there are 30 trays of lunch on the cart. Right. It's like... All of the different things that are going to be in the lunch are Trays, in these different... Trays, bowls, yeah, Right. All stacked together. Yeah. And then these different big vats of whatever the things are, are on the cart. So then it's after the cart with the vats and the trays and stuff is taken to the room, then that's when everything gets distributed. Mm-hmm. 
um, into individual portions mm-hmm. that get handed out. So then I mm-hmm. ate lunch with the fifth graders when we went. And so they had, they set several of their desks up in front in this little line. And then the kids got everything out, all the different pots of things. And then they had the trays and everything adjusted on this cart. And so then the kids would come up one by one and get all the pieces that they need. But then the kids that were on duty would actually serve Mm -hmm. the meal to them, Mm -hmm. which I think that's great learning learning to serve your classmates I think is really good and and that's a very practical way but when we went they served us they like got everything for us and brought it to us which was so cute it was the first time I ate eel was that eel or was eel it or... squid I think it was squid because it, it was white wasn't yeah it? it was white hey you and me both man I don't <laughs> I would have never eaten it, like, anywhere else, but I felt, I didn't want to leave it there. Well, they have to eat everything. Yeah. So we didn't want to be like, oh, hee hee, I'm not eating this. (laughs) It was actually good. I mean, I thought. There's something about it, right? Yeah. The way that it was fried or, like, a little bit of seasoning or Uh, something, I don't know. Yeah, no, it was squid. It's not my new favorite food, though. No. <laughs> I still won't order it anywhere that I have it. Yeah, no, no. But then there was a very um, intricate way they were folding their milk cartons. And so then they, the teacher was telling us that they have this little competition in their classroom to see how many folded milk cartons they can get into one opened up milk carton that they oh, stack really? them all in. Oh, wow. So they were, like, all having this little competition about who could fit another milk carton into this oh, one. Oh, that's funny. So they had, like, I think the one girl got 12 in hers <gasps> or something. What? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. And so then one person couldn't get it, so then they'd be like, here, give it to me, I'll try. And they'd, like, <laughs> try to stuff it in. Um, But the kids that I was sitting with were so sweet, too, because... This one girl was very much, like, trying to be the leader, and she was like, now we need to ask our guests questions, or we need to introduce ourselves to the guests. And so she got them all kind of in order, the kids that were sitting around me, and she pointed to the first one and asked them to start. And so they said their name and their age and something that they, their hobby. And so then I shared mine with them, too. Or no, I was going to share mine. And then before I could even say it, she wanted to start them on another round of sharing a different fact about each one of them. Wow. <laughs> but they were they were really excited because they were coming then to our school that next week to hang out with the eighth graders. So they were really excited and looking forward to that. So lunch in the classroom every day. I don't know as a teacher, like because the teacher was just sitting and grading. And it was so loud, so I don't know if I could do that every day. No, I mean, it was a scene to make us thankful for the way, from the teacher side of things, for the way that at our school we get a break. Yes. And we can choose to, we could choose to go eat in the cafeteria, but we could also choose to go eat in the staff room. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which is the better choice as far as I'm concerned. (laughs) It's not nearly as loud as the cafeteria. Yeah, no, the cafeteria can be intense. 
Um, but I'll tell you what, that, this whole lunch thing, that might be my top thing that I'm going to just feel like, oh man, Mm. that was nice. I didn't mind a bit paying my, you know, however much I have to pay. It's not expensive. It's Mm. like, um, I want to say that it's like kind of 5,000, 5,500 yen a month, um, per kid. Yeah. I think the... So the That's average, not bad at all. yeah, the average price is maybe like two hundred, two hundred and fifty or three hundred yen for their lunch. So, in another month, when I have to either make lunch or be fine with paying literally twice that much for them to get lunch in the cafeteria, then I think I will mm-hmm. be feeling wistful and nostalgic <laughs> about back in the day when you had school lunch, right? <laughs> And uh, my younger daughter was asking me about it. She's like, what am I going to eat for lunch? And I was kind of like, oh, the funny thing is, I don't know how I've been fooling her all this time, but she's like, what do you make for lunch for my brother? And I was like, well, it's so nice that you thought that I'm always making lunch for your brother, but (laughs) I used to make lunch for him much more regularly, but these days, mm, Mm. yeah, sorry, dude. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I don't know what else we can say about school. They do have cleaning. I don't, I'm not as impressed with the cleaning thing because they're not that good at it. Like, Mm, the fact, I think it's the fact that they have to do it. So hopefully they do foster some sense of responsibility for like, this is my school and I have to try to help keep Mm -hmm. it clean. I do think that that's really good. And I wish we had a little bit more of mm-hmm. that at yeah. our school. I think our students can be a little bit, like, um, taking the cleanliness of school yeah. for granted, not appreciating the fact that we have people who are coming around and cleaning up mm-hmm. for us. So it would be great if they could appreciate that a little bit more. But on the other hand, I've even... I've been a supervising teacher when I used to, back in the day when I used to work at Japanese school, middle school, and those guys were like, I don't know, <laughs> a lot of their cleaning is very go through the motions. Yeah. You know, they're not that invested. They're not that like, this has to be so clean. They're more like, oh, let me kind of perfunctorily pass my right. little cloth over this area that I'm supposed to be cleaning until you be here anymore you know so I'm not I just don't think the thing is like as awesome as people make it out to be as far as that goes yeah I'm not knocking it I think it's it's good it's a good idea but it's just not actually that clean yeah I mean it's just like helping any kid try to learn how to clean they're not gonna clean it the way that you would clean it Uh, yeah 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 and it, anyway, I do, I think it's a good thing for them to do. Um, so yeah, they, um, they don't, they don't clean every day. Mm. They, I think it's probably like kind of three times a week. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Depends on their schedule. So that's the other thing that I would say about one thing that st- struck me about Japanese school that seems quite different, at least to s- school, you know, Western school system that I'm familiar with is the way that they end school at a different time every day. Yeah. I just don't understand 
why that is and I'm not I'm apologize to the listener if I've already talked about this because I do feel like did I say this as a quirk or a quandary (laughs) I don't maybe maybe. I did and I do feel like it's a quandary especially if you're trying to be a working mom and then every month at the beginning of the month they'll give you a chart you need a chart so that you can understand what time your child is coming home wow and even when they're in sixth grade, it takes until, like, every year they kind of add. So they'll have, if they have six classes in a day, then that will take them from, like, kind of 8.30 to 3.30. But they'll start out with a baseline as a first grader of kind of having only four classes. Like, the whole first trimester of a first grader, they'll go home at lunch. They'll, like, go to school in the morning and have lunch, and then they'll consider that they are just totally exhausted from going to school, and they need to go home at 1. Wow. And they'll go home at 1 for, like, months. So if you are a parent of a first grader, unless you've signed them up for after-school care, which, Mm -hmm. I mean, more people do that now, but... Otherwise, you have to arrange your household so that somebody can be home. I mean... First graders can't be home by themselves. No. <clears throat> At least I don't think so. Mm-mm. So that's a thing. Anyway, finally, then they start adding things. And then they'll have, like, one day a week where they have six classes. And it'll take the entire first grade year for them to work up to, like, every week on this one day, you finally have six classes. And then when you're in second grade, you finally have two days a week where you have six classes and then even when you're in third grade even right now my daughter's in third grade she only has five classes on Mondays Wednesdays and Fridays and she gets out of school at like 2 30 on on Mondays and Fridays she gets out at 2 30 on Wednesdays they have staff meetings after school so the whole school shuts down after five classes and they all get out at 2 15 mm-hmm. on a Wednesday so then it's only Tuesday and Thursday. She's in third grade. She's wow. nine years old. And she has school until 3.30 only twice a week. Hmm. <clears throat> so I just don't know about that. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. So finally, my other daughter, she's in sixth grade. She has school until 3.30. Every day. Every day, except for Wednesday when the whole oh, school right. gets out on, at 2.15. But but even that is, like, they'll so frequently have some kind of an extra special meeting. Or they'll have, you know, oh, this week is this conference week, so everybody's getting out at 2.15 every single day for, like, two weeks in a row. Or, I don't know. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah, it's just very, as a parent, I find it pretty frustrating. And I that's probably my top, like the downside thing that I see about Japanese elementary school, I don't understand it. I don't think it's, I don't know who it's good for. Yeah. Like, even for the teachers, I know those teachers work really hard, like, honestly. They work way harder than I do. I'm not going to say they work way harder than you or somebody, but at least for myself, I can say for sure. They they work work way harder than I do. So, I mean, okay, if having those five classes a day are the thing that's saving you, I guess. 
But I don't know. I just feel like there must be a way to like shuffle their system a little bit so that they can just have school until 3.30 every day. Yeah, or at least some regular schedule overall. Yeah, yeah, I don't, I find that, that's my top thing that I find discouraging. Because the other thing is, then, I think Japanese school tends to, internationally, it has a reputation for like, ooh, Japanese school, they have so many days of school, that's so extra, like over, you know, oh, look at the U.S., those piddly 180 days of school and we have school for 247 days or whatever it is but the thing is they count all the days even if they don't barely like the day that they have their entrance ceremony and everybody goes to school at 8 30 in the morning and then goes home by 10 a.m oh check day of school whoa yeah they count all those days oh and the days that they get out at two and the days that they get out at one, check. We had school today. So I feel like if you were to count the number of hours they spent at school, I'm not so sure that they would actually be, like, so far ahead. Yeah. And the interesting thing is, I heard from, I was talking with some of their teachers, and they were saying that for probably about 15 or 20 years now, the Japanese education system has moved away from having school on Saturday. Mm -hmm. So it's, at least what I know, it's more uncommon to have school on Saturday now. But they're starting to move back towards having school on Saturday because of, you know, well, I'm sure there are a lot of factors, but one of them is this whole, like, oh, we don't have enough time at school. And I really feel like, hey, if you guys are lacking your few extra hours that somebody somewhere thinks are deficient in your schedule why don't you just have six classes every day instead of trying to switch back to having school on saturday nobody wants to have school on saturday come on right anyway i hope the thing Mm. didn't i hope my opinion didn't turn too ranty but (laughs) i just uh that's that's one aspect of school that I can't understand. And I feel pretty comfortable talking about it because when I was talking with these teachers who work in the school and expressing that to them, then they've, they were very like, yeah, we agree with you. Mm-hmm. We don't like that either. We don't understand it. It doesn't make sense to us. Yeah. But, you know, for them, I, they also have a, of course, a very big, like, it is what it is on... A le- right. On a level of a local because teacher the government in the school. runs it, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, because Japanese education, especially at the um, elementary and middle school level, is very standardized across the whole country. Mm-hmm. And we didn't really talk about that, but they have compulsory education through grade nine. So elementary school is grade one through six, and then middle school is grade seven, eight, and nine. And then once you've graduated from middle school, you've finished your compulsory education. But as you can imagine, it's it's these days quite difficult to get a good job having stopped Just your that, yeah. education at, um, at middle school. But I mean, most of the kids go to high school. It's a very high, you know, 98% yeah. or some of uh, the kids go to high school. I don't know 
data about how many kids go to university, but I think that's pretty high too. Yeah. I don't think it's, again, I don't think it's common to have great jobs that people can get. Right. Yeah. Just by going to high school. I mostly wanted to focus on talking about elementary school since that's what I know. And I'm sorry, it's so much of me talking and not nearly enough of Angie talking. (laughs) I've had more to say about other subjects. (laughs) Not to mention, Angie's still confused having taken a red-eye flight last night. Yeah. (laughs) Not quite a week right now, so maybe I guess that worked out. What do you think about... Japanese education or... What are your questions about Japanese education? Do you have Japanese questions education? about Japanese education? Or maybe you have comments about some other education system you know about. I think that would be interesting to learn about. I I always want to know more about Finland and the Netherlands system. Uh, yeah, they have a great reputation these days, but I don't yeah. know many details about what they do. Neither do I. Yeah, so... If you know, fill us in. We would love to learn about Mm -hmm. that. And thank you for listening. And don't forget to subscribe. And don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Podcast. So more people can listen to interesting discussions like we had today. Yes. And uh, don't forget to follow us on Instagram or send us an email to realtokyo at gmail.com. And that's also our Instagram handle at to realtokyo. Mm-hmm. And thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. That's all for this time, everyone. What are your recent quirks or quandaries? Tokyo related or not, let us know on Instagram at to real tokyo that's t-o-o real tokyo you can follow angie on instagram at photo freak p-h-o-t-o-f-r-e-e-k and you can follow jamie on instagram at jamie in t-y-o that's j-a-m-i-e in t-y-o bye bye